singing, don't worry about a thing. Cause every little thing is gonna be alright. Singing, don't worry about a thing. Cause every little thing is gonna be alright. Rise up this morning, smiled with the rising sun. Three little birds pitch by my doorstep, singing sweet songs of melody pure and true, saying, this is my message to you. Ooh, ooh. Ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> singing, don't worry about a thing. Cause every little thing, thing. it's gonna be Bing. all right. Singing, don't worry about a thing. Cause every little thing is gonna be all right. I think you deceived us. I think you deceived I us. You. I love you guys. Honestly, that may have I, been the best. I feel like I'm on a beach right now. I know. That was amazing, Linda. Honestly. Come Thank on. You. you had nothing Thank to you. worry about. Thank you. That was amazing. So we have Linda. I don't even know. What's your last name? Kafka. Kafka. That's right. Kafka. So we are going to talk about something interesting today. Can you sure. give us, what are we going to talk about? Well, I think, uh, firstly, the song was appropriate because I think we're all very much worried about the What's time that on? we're in. Yes. And, um, and more importantly, I mean, you know, we're worried about our family, we're worried about um, everyone's health, and we're also, we're also uh, worried about our business. Yeah. And I think, uh, so it's, it, it, the song for me was appropriate because really, uh, although we do have to worry, things will get better. And I'm here to, to talk to you about something that I'm very passionate about and uh, something that's really important. And it's, it's what uh, originally started for me, aging in place. It's moved towards living in place and wellness within the home. This is a fascinating subject. Then this is actually a very relevant subject. Huge. Huge. And anybody yeah. that's in the construction industry, this is something that we're all getting older. We are all, there's not a single person on this planet that's getting younger. So we're all getting older. So this is all going to affect us. Well, you know, one of the things everyone told me was when you get to 40, you're going to start to feel all the things you and did. And did you listen? I didn't. And I'm starting <laughs> to feel all the pain. <laughs> so we got a very interesting talk. We're really excited about it. We got a lot of stuff to cover and we're going to bring up a lot of uh, questions. You're right. going to have a lot of answers. We're going to discuss a lot of details. But first, Carlito. We're going to have history with Manny. <laughs> so I thought something a little different on today's show. I wanted to ask you guys, who are the oldest living people in Canada right now? And at what age do you think they're at? So I'm going to guess they're probably in the 100, around 100. For sure. And uh, we are a mosaic. So if I had to look at... I mean, I could look at all different kinds of segments of the population, but I'm going to say our indigenous people. I, that's my guess. That, okay, uh, sorry, I don't have that information. I was actually surprised that the four top oldest people in Canada are all women. Wow. Oh. They're all women. The oldest right now is 117 years old and 230 days. She's followed by 115 years at 203 days. So the first one is Marie-Louise Mueller. Second one is Marianne Rhodes at 115, 203 days. Third one is Julie Winifred Bertrude, 115 years and 124 days. And then the fourth one is Mary Josephine Ray. She's 114 years and 294 day, 94 days. Wow. 
So I thought that was really fascinating. And then the oldest living man in Canada is Arnold Hawkins. 108. He's 108. I was going to say, 108. He's a vet. He's 108, 360 days. He's actually from a small town in New Brunswick, Beaver Harbor. Uh, He was born there in 1911. Incredible. And he was a fisherman for 40 years. And he's still there. There's more here. So America's population is 90 or older, has tripled since 1980, reaching 1.9 million people in 2010. It's expected to reach 7.6 million over the next 40 years. Wow. Over 90. Incredible. Over 90. So the average age of us at this table right now, women are living up to 84. Men are living up to 81 right now. On average. On average. Um, But are they living healthy and happy well for the most part at that age but i mean and then i got just two more little stats here uh <laughs> can you guys take a guess on the oldest living father like became a father wow at what um, age it's got to be in its 70s i would i would say 94 not wow. not an indian gentleman he was an indian wrestler ramjet rashi um, he was an Indian wrestler and a farmer. Go figure, right? <laughs> and he, uh, he, he made his wife pregnant at 94. That was his first child. Wow. I, I say good, uh, good for him. Yeah. Great for that him. That is great. Can I wonder how guys, big his family is. I, I, I don't know, right? So can you guys take a guess on who the oldest person to run the Boston Marathon? It's a woman. How old was she when she ran the marathon? I want to, I want, if I had to guess, I would think she's probably in her, maybe in her eighties because I do have a friend that actually runs marathons and she's in her seventies and she was my trainer for, for the certified aging in place. She's 85. Look at wow. that. She ran it in seven hours and 50 minutes. Is that minutes. speed walking or jogging? No, that was a marathon. It was wow. a marathon, right? And then the last little stat, which I thought was interesting, the oldest person to climb Mount Everest. Ooh. That is an interesting. How old was, it's a man. 75. 80. Wow. Did it in 2013. There was another gentleman that was a little bit older than him, tried, but he actually That's ended up impressive. dying trying to do it. Uh, Japanese man. Can't even pronounce his name. That's okay. Um, speaking of Japanese, they're one of the oldest populations yes. in the world. Yeah, there's lots of places, and a lot of it has to do with diet. Yeah. So my whole reasoning behind this is gone are the days of 65. Gone are the days of living in your home until 65, and then I guess you know, you moved on to somewhere else. No, the idea is that you're still going to be living well and you'll still be living healthy. That's why we want to talk about what we want to talk about today. It's, it's an important topic, but it's interesting because yesterday I was reading something, the stats, you know, as, as, um, as much as we are because of health and science, we're living longer, we're living better. But I read something yesterday that uh, we have to worry about our children and our grandchildren. They may not live as long because, well, because we've got a sedentary is is the new smoking sitting okay. on the couch doing the netflix on the computer we're not getting out physical uh, physical physical is really really important and that's so why you just we don't need to be a contractor you know <laughs> trades the trades it's all listen it's it's a gold mine being in the trades yeah. in many with different ways yeah many so you ways, think that that ways. generation is going to actually reverse it's gonna no you know what um there's discussions around it really and um i'm not i haven't read up on enough about it but if you think about it look at you know i know my children they would they're not children anymore 24 and 31 but they they would rather sit inside on the computer playing games you're so right instead of getting out and i think it's really important for us to uh, you know as as we 
start to recognize the value and the importance of exercise, getting out. And that's why I, I, I'm very much into the wellness component uh, within your space and the wellness component around your backyard. And so when you talk about that gentleman in New Brunswick, it's really important to have that connection to nature because it does calm you down. Stress is a killer. There's so many great factors of being out in nature. And when you look at it, we're human beings. We are connected to nature, but yet we spend 90% of our time indoors. And that was really because of the industrial revolution time period when it we is started to move sad. into, a, into a concrete box. Yeah, it's kind of sad that people, I, I know clients myself, I'm sure Carlito does too, where they don't even open up the windows during the year. They go right from heating to cooling and the windows are left. And I can't wait till the springtime comes along where you crack open all the windows, you open up the skylight and you let that breeze come in. Mm-hmm. I just find that a, a much better environment to be in. Not only, I think, from a physical perspective, but also from a mental, um, yeah. you know, it's that, that smell. Actually, one of my uh, friends who is a um, Robert Thirsk, he's an astronaut, and we had this discussion a few weeks ago about what it's like to be in a space capsule for six months of your life. And one of the things he said right away is just the smell of grass, things we take for granted. Like, I love cut grass. It's like, true. Isn't that amazing? You know that feeling you get uh, for me when I smell, you know, after the rain? It immediately reminds me of my grandparents being at their home. Wet cedar. Um, yes, yes. There's some really beautiful smells out there. And, and I think we've, we've lost, we don't pay attention to them. Nature, you know, really, it's so important because we're connected to nature. And often if I say to people, you know, where's your favorite place? Most people will say at the beach, riding my bike on the trails, in the forest, out in the garden. Like there's some connection to nature, except I have to tell you. My son will kill me. My older son, I asked him that last week. He says to me, in my condo, he's got a 500 square foot condo because he's got his Xbox or whatever he plays That's there, right? his favorite place? Absolutely. He's, that's his favorite place. I said, okay, wow. I, did, I definitely did something wrong raising that <laughs> well, kid. <laughs> you know, it's funny you say that because I have a 25-year-old at home. She just locks herself up and doesn't socialize or do anything with us. And, you know, life is so interesting and it's not boring at all. Mm-hmm. If you find life boring... You know, there's just so many things to experience and, and try, you know, and you only have one life to do it. You remind me of something when my younger son was in uh, primary school, he had, uh, they had, an, um, in his class, he had an autistic student, I guess they were the same age, they were like six years old. And he went over to see him one day and Hayden, my son Hayden said to this young guy, he said, I'm bored. And the young guy turned to him and he said, boring. He said, I can't, he said, there's so much to do. Why be bored? There's so much to do. And he was autistic. And you know what? And I always remember that because, you know, it doesn't matter if you're able-bodied or not or whatever cognitive issues people have, you know, people understand there's value in, in, in getting out and doing things and, and occupying your time and connecting with others. And, and that's something that unfortunately right now that we're not doing. And that whole thing with isolation is a really big issue right now. We talk about sedentary and, and the consequences of having a sedentary life. Well, isolation can be just as devastating for you. And so it's really important that we now look at our built environment, our homes especially. And, and I, I'm resourced for the residential trade sector as opposed to commercial, because commercial we've got a lot of information on, and it's the residential that really needs the help. You know, I'm very passionate about this, and, and we really need to look at that, our built environments and where we're living, because in the commercial sector, we've had a lot of information when it comes to the workplace and how important it is to have it's good true. working. They really focus on the commercial yeah, side. Yeah, they do. They, you know, we look at the hospitality industry, we look at the healthcare industry, we look at the um, workplace industry, and then you go home. And your home isn't well. Even further that, even public 
places where you go aquariums or any kind of places like that. They're so conscious of that environment, but we neglect our own personal environment. Exactly. I totally forget. So, uh, how do we contact you? How do we get a hold of you? How do we reach out to you? So I've got, I've got an interesting job. I actually started in this industry in 2009, ran a design center up at the international center. Some people will know it and some won't. It was called Sofa. Oh yeah. And, um, so I ran that till 2017. I left there and it was really focused on building community and educating. And so even though it was a, a platform with, uh, f- uh, residential furniture and we had a lot of interior designers and decorators, we did a lot of events that also appealed to the renovators and the contractors and, and builders. And, and we even had architects coming, but that was an interesting role. I left there and I went on my own. And so I have two roles. I am the director of trade relations for Kaplan's Appliances, which is, um, for me, keeps me connected to product. And as you probably know, the kitchen and the bath are, are two, two most important places yeah, in, the home. in the home. So, so I get a lot of Intel information. I'm, you know, I'm really connected to the industry. While I was up at Sofa, I started to really investigate or to train and learn about aging in place and living in place. And after I left that building and went on my own, I decided to create a, or a network and then launch a conference. And so if you're going to want if you want to find me, you're going to find me at livablecanada.com. So this is Canada's first conference that is supporting the residential sector and it's focused on aging in place, living in place because it shouldn't just be about an age, it should be about everybody everywhere as as um, we often hear and wellness in the home you're not doing any commercial or you're actually crossovering or bridging some of it you know what um when you talk to a lot of the um the architect or or design build firms a lot of them do commercial and they also do residential there is a crossover it was really originally focused just at residential but because of covid i'm getting a lot of requests to incorporate the workplace now think about this all been working from home there's a connection between working from home or working at what you might you know used to be your place of of work whether it was an office or whatever there's a lot of companies now that are saying we're allowing our a certain percentage of time to be spent at home at your home office so they want to make sure that if you're working from home on their dime or their under their time that you're also going to be in a well environment at home. So I think I think we're going to see a lot of crossover there. We're seeing crossover with the um, hospitality industry, yeah. and you know, and and um, so accessible tourism and all that. So it relates. You live at home, you go on a, on um, or, or stay in a hotel room. That's your alternative place to sleep when you're when you're traveling. So there's a lot of crossover between the two. So I can see, you know, when it gets into long term healthcare and all that, no, they, that wouldn't be involved in the conference. But work, hospitality. Even independent living at a retirement home. Technically, that's just a, a glorified condo for seniors. That's all it really is, yeah. What are the biggest problems that people are doing in their homes right now? I think the biggest problem for the longest time is that we've been building from an aesthetic perspective. Oh, I a thousand percent agree with you. It's all about the prettiness of what is yeah. going to be able to show off to my friends, my family, and not realizing that your house is a living, breathing thing and it needs to actually, it needs to actually function properly. And not only should it function, but it should adapt to you and your family over a lifespan. You know, with the cost of real estate, our children not being able to afford homes. Like I was fortunate enough to be able to own my own home, even as a single mother. I have to question whether or not my children will. My older son has a, a 500 square foot condo. Great. But even those are expensive. But that's and the look, norm now. That's, that's, the, the, norm. that's the maximum that a person of that's that age. That's still a million dollars for 500 square feet. I don't know. Yeah. Is, that, is it that high in Toronto? Yeah, I do a lot of high rise condos and I've gone into some units and I'm like, wow, these are tiny. I'm like, what'd you pay? And they're like, oh, 1.1. I'm like, it's crazy. Wow. 
You, you remember move. being that age and rolling off that number and realizing? No, when I was growing up, houses were still between seventy-five and one hundred thirty thousand. You're talking about twenty-five to thirty-five hundred square feet. You know, half crazy. acre to an acre. We were actually talking about this on another podcast. How people don't buy homes for generations; they just buy them for a period of time, four or five years, whatever. And then I guess these younger couples, as soon as the first baby arrives, then they decide on something else. They don't really think about planting those roots and staying no, in that home. And, and for me, that's more my European background, my European family. Don't tell me you're Croatian. Are you Croatian? No, actually, <laughs> <laughs> no, actually my family is, my father was uh, from the Czech Republic or back in those days, Czechoslovakia. Okay. Um, my mother was German and my cousins are, are, I live in Bavaria in Germany. And I've always known my grandparents or my, or would be my great grandparents living with their kids. It was, and they might not have necessarily lived in the same house, but the house was adjoined. It was it very common. It was in common. the same little street village kind he of. Was, it was either directly across the driveway yeah. or it was attached, yes. but yeah. they had their own separate. So it's kind of that multi-generational living. If you look at other um, cultures, we see that, you know, we see that in, in, with uh, Chinese, Asian, Indian, community. Asian yeah, communities, yeah, it. a lot of that, yeah. yeah, and it's very normal, and um, even my friends, I have <laughs> appropriately singing Bob Marley earlier, some of my friends in Jamaica have often said, I can't imagine putting our, our family or our mother into um, a retirement home. It's not just an Asian thing, I think it's globally, there's a lot of people globally that really believe in the value of having that family together, and there's so much, and there's so much value in that when you think about grandparents with children you know, helping everybody out, you know, sharing the costs, the finances, you still have that independence. And I think we're going to see a big growth towards multi-generational. Well, you think it'll return? I believe it will. Really? I, absolutely. Do you remember the days when we used to, in real estate, they would say, well, this house comes with a granny suite. I remember Not so that. much a nanny suite, because yeah, yeah, I don't yeah, think yeah. we could afford nannies as much no. as in a bungalow, but there would be a granny yeah. suite. Yeah. And, you know, and so and often it was located in the basement. So I think we're going to see that coming up to um, the main level. You know, I, I don't have a problem living with my son as long as we have two separate places and I can just personal shut the... Personal space. Yeah, personal yes. space and, and a separate entrance. I don't want to see him come and go and I want him... You know, I just want to have my own space. But when I need you, you're there or yes. you need me. Regardless of whether or not we're going into multi-generational um, living, I think we still need to look at spaces and see how they adapt to us. How do we build... For that, how do I've, we how do we start communicating with clients that way? How do we deal with that? It's a tough, it's tough because nobody. Firstly, you know, it, often a lot of these people that we might be speaking to are looking to renovate their home. They might be fifty five plus. They've got that disposable income. As a matter of fact, statistics, and this comes from the Canadian Home Builders Association, when they did a poll, I, I believe there was eighty percent of the uh, people polled want to age in place and live in place. I think most people would, uh, would you? I am. I well, want to. Uh, whenever I'm even renovating someone's house, you know me, I'm, two things come up and that's make your house too personal, but I always design it around the option of making it handicap accessible, senior accessible. It's an option. If you prep someone's home that way, you have more room to move around and you have more options, right? Absolutely. But I'd like to take it a step further and go, and, and it's not even about somebody that's got a, a mobility or disability. Think of um, a young woman that's expecting a child and she's yeah. got to maneuver through that space. Hey, how about that guy that's got to deliver furniture to you and, or bring you appliances in through your front door? You know how hard it is for those for, for right. people to maneuver? Here's one for you. I was speaking to a paramedic a few weeks ago, and she says to me, you have no idea how challenging it is for us to maneuver through one of those old bungalows that have got those 
tight, you know, tight, smaller, narrow um, hallways, hallways yeah. and down some of these um, stairs to get that individual, if, you know, if it's a, a two-story, to get that individual out of their bedroom, down the stairs. And it's mm. dangerous for those people too, because they can slip and fall. They don't have the room to maneuver. So I think when we talk about modifying homes, and by the way, this is a $77.1 billion industry home modification is a $77.1 billion industry in Canada. It's massive. Just in Canada. It's just in Canada. Well, because we know that we're all living older. If so we're where living, are we going to go? Well, where are we going to go? We can't, we can't all be shipped off to these nursing homes. And do you want to? No, nobody wants that. So you want to stay home. And I think at a certain point in your life, you decide that this is going to be my last home. Yeah. And if this is going to be my last home, it may not be perfect at that time. So you're going to need to adjust certain things, like you said, the hallways, maybe even stairs. I know that we've talked a lot about elevators. Elevators mm-hmm. have gotten sort of reasonably like cost-wise. Yeah, fifteen to 20000 That's so not you much. Can, you can put one in. I have one in our in our house in Port Dover. You know, staircases you're are going at 35000 Yeah. Staircases are more expensive than an elevator. It's true. So then if we can already put an elevator, then you can still have access to the second floor and vice versa. Absolutely. So and it's, it's a $76 billion, 70? $77.1 billion industry home modification. Wow. That, and that was the Canadian Home Builders Association. There's a lot of work here. There's yeah, a but, lot of work. There's but it's scary, and, and I've seen a lot of the work being done. And I think you're getting shady characters that are taking advantage of But people. there's many of them still out there. Yeah, and that, that's an issue that, you know, for another time, another conversation, and we're going to have a lot of that. But I think what's really important for your listeners to know, this is not about installing a grab bar and, no. you know, and helping. We're because way past that. the silent generation, my mother, your, your, your grandparent, I don't know how old you guys are, but your grandparents. I think <laughs> we're I a couple of good-looking 40-year-olds. That's what we are. I wish. I know. I want to assume you're younger than me. You know, I'm a baby boomer. No, no, we will not ask you how young you are, Linda. Well, okay. I, would, I would openly admit it. But anyway, but the point is, is that silent generation is not spending the money. Who's spending the money are those people that are active 55 plus. They have disposable income. They want to live in a place that in style that reflects their personality. Also thinking about their family and their kids and their grandchildren coming within those spaces. And let's face it, even though we've got a lot of housing stock that has to be modified, not everything is going to be doable. If you can modify it, if this is going to be your last kitchen and look how expensive it is to to renovate a kitchen. If this is going to be your last kitchen or last bathroom renovation, and you know what, and you plan to live there as long as possible, you need to have somebody that has some knowledge that's going to think ahead for you. People also um, very quickly go to, you know, reinforcing the wall for grab bars. Well, why are you waiting until you need them at a, at seventy five or older? We all know that slips and falls in the bathroom, you know, the bathroom is one of the main areas for slips and falls, yeah. and that's not about an age. You could be a small young kid slipping and falling or my age or older. And so there's a lot of really great products that are coming out on the market to address this and to really, because typically when we think of aging in place or we think of universal design, we often will think about the institutional looking spaces. And so there's so many new products that are being designed and developed that look beautiful and yet have that functionality. So a towel bar that now also, it was a grab bar, but it's beautifully designed and it can be used as a towel, towel yeah, bar I've too. I've seen some of the companies actually step up their anchoring system. So now you they can need, actually, yeah. it's, it's actually, it makes a lot of sense. Because, and I know that there's certain compliances where you have to, it has to be a certain diameter and, and based on all that yep. stuff. They're listening. These companies are listening and they realize that these people want to have better looking non-medicinal looking bathrooms. I saw it uh, when I was at the Kitchen Bath show, Cabus show in January, yeah. and I was seeing this, and I'm like, are you kidding me? This is beautiful. I know. Beautiful. The products that are being developed. And the finishings that they were offering for it. Absolutely. It's not always polished chrome. 
Um, like the basics or white or whatever. It I was. just saw one the other day that was installed in a bathroom where they used um, it was a grab bar, but it was metal on the ends and then and then uh, teak, and Ooh, then it matched. Wow. And then it was like a darker. They had it stained in a darker teak, and then the the pull down seat in the shower, and it was like this is. And then they had black tile, and it was just popped. It was beautiful, it was gorgeous. It was, it was gorgeous. And I thought, you know, they, they must are... have been German. <laughs> <laughs> Not everything's but, German. No, no, not no. everything. But but there's a lot of products. And, and you know, in a few years back, we were talking about this aging population and how they are changing the face of interior design. And it's true because they're wanting those elevators. And if, they ha- if they're not necessarily installing the elevators for use today, you are looking at stacking your closets so you can install them at a later date. Yeah. You're looking at different things that you can be doing. And we rely on our trades and our designers and our and our renovators and our builders to think for us as consumers. You know, we we expect you to think for us because what do I know? I don't know. Something as simple as getting into the house. Do we really need to have those many stairs getting in? If we can if we can reduce the amount I've of stairs. I've always said that, but most people when they're buying or when they're building their new custom home, first thing they want to do is elevate everything so they can kind of hide the garage. By hiding the garage, you have to give yourself seven to 10 steps just to get inside the house. So how am I getting up that step if I've got a baby carriage with a grand... Groceries, everything. Lifts are really come a long way. They don't... uh, I think you design differently. I think you look at the front and you design it differently now. Yeah, I I know, but a lot of people... I have some some friends that have MS and Parkinson's and and they they don't want to accept that they're they have a disability now and they just they're fighting it and so they're trying to behave like they used to but they can't you know now they're slowly the families getting them to be aware that it's not getting any better it's getting worse they need to make changes and lifts are coming a long way lifts have come a long way but you know what i um i'm really opposed to seeing a ramp that's been built outside of the house why because right away it screams somebody with a disability lives there and if i'm the person that lives there i don't want to be labeled that yeah. i don't see, want to be labeled by my glad you said that and you're reminded of that every single day and you see it and we're going to see more and more of that and so we've got to look at you know the hardscaping or when we, if we are able to build new can we build it in a way that we can have a sloped up towards the door and it's interesting because as i walk around port dover which is where i'm i'm located and i also um, have a house in toronto and i'll walk the neighborhoods and it stops me dead in my tracks every time i see a house that has one step entry with a slope i literally take it in and think, wow, good on the builder, good on the renovator, good on the landscaper, whoever did that. I thought, you know, whether you knew what you were doing or not, you've made somebody's life so much easier for a lifespan. And if they do move out, the next person moving in is going to thank you also. Because that is often we talk about what should we do on the inside of the house and we forget about the outside. And that's a really important as we talk about wellness and being connected to nature and, and you know, and that, that almost centurion that lives in, uh, New yes. Brun- you know, New Brunswick. Yes. Like, you know what? It's that connection to nature that's so important for us, being able to get out in your backyard, being able to do things that you love to do. Why did you buy that property to begin with? Because you enjoyed it. I think it's two views, Linda. I think it's you want the house to be accessible, but aesthetically pleasing accessible Absolutely. for anybody that wants to come and visit to the house. But then you also want it to be aesthetically pleasing from the inside out. So then they would want to travel outside and not stay inside the house. You're hundred percent. Cause right. the older you get, the first thing they want to do is just plant themselves in a certain room and that's their routine. And that gets devastating to do that. But they probably look at it like, I don't want to climb those two, three steps to come outside. 
I would rather stay inside. It's perfectly safe. Absolutely. And you know, and so that's why a porch is, is really important. We're seeing the return of the porch or the yeah. use of the porch because you've got that safety, you've got that um, connection to outdoors, you can sit there and watch the neighbors. And, and so things like that are really important, part of component of, of, of the house. It was traditional, and I guess a lot of people got rid of them or, or didn't want them or didn't sit on them, but we're going to start seeing them back. But even with, with what we're going through for COVID, there's a lot of discussions around, you know, what does the new well house look like? I think about back in, in my mother and, and father bought a ni- uh, 1967, they bought a bungalow over by the Scarborough Bluffs. I love bungalows. I love them too. I have a bungalow. I just love them. I've always been a fan of bungalows. And you know, they had a milk box. They had a milk box, yeah. and I think how appropriate that milk box would be today if you had to drop off parcels. Obviously, have a different mechanism than just like back in those days. It just opened, and you could, if you didn't lock it from the inside, you could probably slide. A kid could probably slide through it, so not very safe. But why can't we design a new version of a milk box? Where, like why you said, we? because I mean, with COVID and everything that we've gone through, everybody's been offering deliveries and takeouts, and and so you want to drop it off, and you don't want to leave it on the front step. But well, why not have a modern day version of a new milk box? Absolutely. Absolutely. Incorporate that in a new design. Yeah, it would definitely have to be like sexier looking kind of box with maybe a code on it. Because, you know, you see on Instagram and Facebook, if you're if you're following these pages, people are stealing people's parcels mm-hmm. right from the front of their house. Porch pirates, right? Yeah. And, and there's a lot of them doing this. So it would have to be something where, you know, it would be a code that you could put something into something and then yeah. you could. It's doable. Yeah. It's doable. But it's brilliant. Yeah. It really is brilliant. My parents always had, or when they finally could afford it, after they paid their their, their mortgage of $25,000 oh for their... Oh, my God. <laughs> I've heard these stories. I've heard these stories. Of how... One full <sighs> acre. I don't want to tell you what she sold it for, <sighs> let me tell you. Well, if kind you're of selling this... now, it'd be oh, in the millions. She did. She did. She <laughs> sold it last year. But, but the point is, is that they always, when they had the money, they built an enclosure. And why? I don't know if this was a European thing or whatever, but my mom insisted on it. So when people would come to the house, if we were, it was a neighbor, if it was somebody you didn't really feel comfortable bringing into your home because maybe the house was a mess or maybe you didn't know them or you didn't want to have a full, we always sat in the enclosure and then she would send us, you know, into the kitchen, bring out, uh, you know, the pastries I just baked or bring out, bring, you know, <laughs> yeah. bring coffee and tea. And we would sit in that enclosure. But if you think about it nowadays, how important that enclosure before you go into enter the house is. You know, that could be that detox space or that space to drop off parcels or that space to meet people that you don't want into your home because you don't know what they're bringing in. And it's interesting because the other day I heard, and I didn't know this, but have you ever looked up the history on the, on the powder room? On the powder room? No. I heard this real quickly and, um, it was on, it was on some, um, uh, webinar or something and it went really quickly and I'm like, what, what did I just hear? I believe what they said was the powder room was actually came into existence because of some kind of pandemic or epidemic or some virus that we had and the idea of it was is that you when you visited the home you would go in there and wash your hands before you went into the home so i haven't done enough research on it but you better believe i it want to look into that sense it does i, it I does. always thought the powder room in movies was it would be a classy way for a woman to say i'm going to go to the bathroom right now what and then escape <laughs> out the front door <laughs> no they just be able to go to the bathroom they say i'm just going to powder up yeah i gotcha i gotcha i gotcha but you know what whether it's um a powder room something else i saw the other day on online i thought this was brilliant it was a double car garage with a side door entry and the homeowner had actually created, it wasn't structural, they had almost like an enclosure on the inside built. So when you came into the garage through that side door, you were actually stopped by this enclosure that they built on the inside. Now, not every garage is going to have that space, but, space. It, but they did. Yeah. And so they use that for dropping off parcels before you come into the home. 
it's a place to, to wash and sanitize. I think they had a portable sink or something there. So, you know, people are becoming more innovative in terms of our spaces and what our new home or our well home is going to look like as we move forward out of this. But I think what's really important is, is and, and I want the listeners to really take, take this away, is, is that homes should adapt to us over our lifespan yeah. and we shouldn't have to adapt to our home. And there's so much opportunity to renovate and to really change the style of the home. And of course, everybody listening is going to say, yeah, but how do I sell that? Look at the population. That population is growing. It's going to be easy to sell that. If we would have spent, okay, so my mother had an ensuite bathroom. She needed that renovated. She had five steps up to her front door. She's uh, She has a mobility issue. She's a, a person of size and she now is in a wheelchair. We pay $6,000 a month for her to be in a retirement home. Yeah, that's crazy. We could have used that money, and this is like two years now. We could have used that money and renovated her home, and she could have stayed in that Stay because in she place. didn't have any issues with isolation. She had enough space. We were always over there, like, you know, all the time. We were always doing things for her. She could have stayed in that home longer. We could have put that money into a renovation, but we weren't thinking, well, it wasn't just Not me. a lot of people are thinking it because it's like you said in the very beginning renovations are all about aesthetics. It's all about the beauty. It's like, what does it look like? We don't really care about the functionality behind it. Mm -hmm. That's the problem that we need to get over. True. And I mean, if you go back to when it was at the fifties, when we had that, you know, form follows function. Yeah, function. Unfortunately, if you actually dig into history, that really didn't hold true. We didn't, we really looked at the form and not the function of the way people function within Hopefully spaces. Hopefully it starts to turn around. We've, We've got, got no choice. It has to. It has to because we're all getting older. So we're, I think right now there's a lot of, I don't know how many times you meet, but I think the majority of people in construction are much younger than us. I don't think. Yeah, we're, but we're, we're no. facing, we're facing a big crisis in not enough young people coming into the trades. Yeah. yeah. Well, hopefully that's going to change soon. There's a thousand people that turn 65 every day in Canada and they will for the next 15 years. A thousand people every single day? Yes. In Canada and they will for the next 15 years. And in the United States, that number is 10,000. 10,000 Americans turn 65 every single day in the U.S. And wow. this is this is stats, stats Canada, stats from the States. These people don't want to live in retirement homes. Nobody does. So the opportunity for the contractors, the renovators to really get into this, but I think it's important for them to have knowledge and not just go in it blindly. 100%. Well, it's about being... Hang on yeah. a sec. <laughs> we got to do a little bit of housekeeping. We're going to say hi to Mark, Mark from Skylux. Thank you. Always appreciate him giving us a space to Record do what we do. Record the podcast. Right. And then we have to do a little segment. Building Code Talk with Manny. They're all my favorite. <laughs> Funny you brought this up actually earlier. I was a little surprised by it. According to the Ontario Building Code, what do you guys think is the minimum width of a hallway? 36. I would think so. So there's actually two measurements based on a category. If there's... Only a bedroom or a bathroom at the end of the hallway furthest from the living area, it becomes 860 millimeter, which is 33.86 inches. If there aren't any, then that hallway can be as narrow as 27.95. Wow. Wow. You're not even That's getting a... So you yeah. talk about the paramedics and trying to get that gurney in there. And they're all motorized gurneys now, Do you so know, they're I've, bulkier. I've, I've never measured, but I have a feeling that's what mine is. It probably is. We just assume, but I, I think now a modern day home, like if you do a new home. My I, minimum's 36, really. 36, but I think they're yeah. building them 48 now, but they're doing yes. it because and they should be. they're adding that, right? But here's an interesting thing. I was talking to somebody the other day and they said, well, those hallways, if they're building them wider, 
people are looking at that and saying, why do I need such a wide hallway? Well, you technically could put a wardrobe or not a wardrobe, but you could do you millwork, you could do um, cabinetry, storage. You and could be creative. You could be creative with that space uh, while the children are young and they're, you know, and you need that extra space. And as you age, and if you do have to have that wider hallway because of a mobility device, you can easily remove that. So it's, it's um, you know, something that allows it's it's an adaptable space and yeah. i think that's a really important word now adaptable space how do we adapt our space as we need it and that was building code talk with <laughs> many <laughs> you guys are good okay so once again how do we get a hold of you linda um, you have an instagram handle as well too i do i do i have a couple of them actually i love linkedin Excellent business on LinkedIn. Find you through your name on LinkedIn? or You can find me through my name on LinkedIn, Linda Kafka. That's my LinkedIn. I've also got the LIP Network. stands for Living in Place Network. So if you if you did that on, looked up that on Instagram, you'd find me there. Find it there. I've got Kafka underscore says. I've got the website, livablecanada.com, and then all my information's in there. Perfect. But um, I like to live in, in LinkedIn. LinkedIn's that. a great place. It's becoming a better place. Yes. And, and, you know, it's a great opportunity for business. It's a great opportunity to position yourself as an expert. You know, it, it's got so many great platforms. And then, of course, if you're doing a lot of renovations, you want to show the projects off. So, so you, you definitely want to have uh, Instagram. But at the end of the day, you got to go where your customers are. Hang out where your customers are. I've been telling ever since we did a podcast way back when we were talking about social media and we had an expert here and he brought up LinkedIn and I actually, he brought up LinkedIn to me before the show and I already knew about it. So I started growing my LinkedIn. LinkedIn, I think a lot of guys in trades think that LinkedIn is more business, corporate. They don't want to listen to anybody in the, and I'm like, that's wrong. No, like it's if, totally wrong. If you've got something to say, say it. You just got to say it slightly different. You can't be the same way that you would be on Instagram. You have to be slightly different. But you will reach that market, and you'll actually reach a different market, too, which will benefit you. Absolutely. And I think, um, well, everybody there has a home, right? Yes. So they need it either. <laughs> and everybody there want... is getting older. Exactly. But I think you can position yourself better as an expert. So if there's something, so say you specialize in basement renovations, and you can post articles or you can repost other people's things and yes. you make a comment. You don't even have to write. I am the worst at writing. So often it takes I takes a lot of time. It does. And you know, and I, I never pay, I, I think I skipped every English class I had when I was in high school. So I'm terrible <laughs> at it. But, but the point I'm trying to make is, is sometimes I'll pick up an article and I'll read it and I'll say, wow, this is a really interesting, I want to share this and I'll repost it there and I might make a comment. And it's as simple as that. And you don't need to spend a lot of time on these social media platforms to have impact. It's true. What else do we want to know about you? I actually, I don't know. There's so much. There's so much. Okay, so here I'll tell you. I'll tell you. So I'm. I'm originally. I wanted to be an architect. I ended up in marketing. Ran that design center connected to the to the industry. I spend a lot of time going out there and learning, and I do that so that I understand your world better. So I've become CAP certified. That stands Certified Aging in Place Specialist. I'm CLIP certified. That's What's cert involved by getting CAP certified? You know what? It's um, actually simple. It's really simple. It's uh, three days of training. You're going in, into class three days. And now because of COVID, it's online. After taking CAPs, and that was really focused on aging, I took the next one, which was an evolution. And it's certified living in place professional. Again, these are programs that are coming out of the States um, because we are about 25, maybe 15 to 25 years behind the U.S. and all this knowledge and, and mm. all of this information. I go to the States to get the, to bring the training up to Canada. I do online, a lot of online. So just completed universal design. I'm just um, writing my exam for the Rick Hansen accessibility. So if, oh. if accessibility is really big for you or you want to know more about that, there is programming on that. So that's through the uh, Rick Hansen Foundation. 
I'm also doing my well AP. So that's wellness. So if, if you're not familiar, it stemmed from the commercial sector. So it was about, do you remember when we did, when, when lead was really hot? Yeah. I mean, I know then it, it was abused. Yeah, it, it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't really for the residential. It was more yes. commercial to have sustainability and lead and, you know, and, and strive to have silver or gold or, or whatever it was certification for your buildings. Then it moved towards wellness within the home, within the, um, sorry, built environment. And so well AP is a certification that helps you understand, you know, the air quality, thermal, light, the water, you know, your mind, your nourishment. It does relate to predominantly for the commercial sector, but there's so many takeaways that you can bring into residential. And so I'm really, you know, learning about circadian rhythm and how important that is. Your renovators are thinking, why do I need to know about that? If homeowners can sleep really well, you've got carte blanche on any renovation in their home. And so, so true. So look at their bedroom. So obviously, you're not going to be able to afford uh, sound reducing uh, windows in every room of the house. But if you can at least convince your clients to put them into your customers, to put them into the bedroom so they can have more sound sleep. We've always told the clients yeah, that third floor, focus, second floor. triple glaze. Is that where you want to focus? Yeah. Because then you can have that sound sleep. These are things that I'm learning about and I'm able to talk about or able to educate people or point them in the right direction. I am a resource for the traits. I have no interest in, in speaking to the end user because I've, I've never done that and I'm, I don't have an interest to start. That's a whole beast in itself, trying to educate the consumers. But, you know, we need a lot of help in the residential sector and I've committed to that, committed to helping the trades. And so people will call me or email me. People, I just had, I was just on the computer. Somebody called me or sent me an email asking, you know, what's the difference between these training courses? And, you know, it just so happens I took both of the training courses so I can candidly tell them, this will do this for you, this will do that. What is it that you're trying to achieve? Because I'm a marketing person, I'm always thinking about your business, you know, your bottom line. Because at the end of the day, it's got to be profit-driven. Otherwise, it's, it's important to do all these things. But as a small business, especially, you've got to be able to monetize it. This is valuable. I, I know that, um, how much do you know about lighting? I know that recently when I started looking into certain things and I was reading certain books, lighting is massive. The it's way huge. your body reacts to natural daylight, but also artificial light when you actually want to go to sleep, when yep. you want to start powering down your body to yep. go to sleep. So I got into the whole process of you don't charge the phone by the side of the bed no. anymore. All that blue light is so the dangerous. The blue light is completely yep. like it actually affects all your sleeping. So when you yep. do wake up, you are brain fog. You are yep. completely in a haze that you're not in a good place. And if you start removing all these artificial no, you're exhausted. Lights, you're exhausted. That's because of all this artificial light that's improperly set up that's geared towards the aesthetic. How beautiful 100%, it looks. 100%. And so I don't know a tremendous amount of lighting uh, on lighting, like, you know, all the lux and all that stuff. Go and hire a lighting professional if you want that information. But what I can tell you is, is that this all goes back to your circadian rhythm. And so it's really important. It's that, you know, that time you wake up in the morning and, you know, at certain points during the day, you can't have blue light at night, you know, that bright light. And, you know, and so it's really important to have uh, lighting, not only layer the lighting in, but you have to have, to some extent, natural light come through. And so at nighttime, you want to reduce that lighting. So having all those devices in your bedroom, having blue light in your bedroom is a real, a real problem. And it's interesting because I just recently purchased a new bed with a um, base that has a light in it. When I have to go and use the washroom at night or my partner has to use the washroom, we're not turning the lights on and waking the other person up because once you're up, it's hard to fall back to sleep. And so there's just enough light to guide us to the bathroom. And when I was down at the KBIS show, I was really surprised some of the um, water closets or, or the toilets that were being produced were having lights yep. put in them. I know Kohler. Like an, yeah, they Kohler, have, Kohler. They have the night lights. 
It, Brilliant. You don't need a lot of luminosity. Nothing. You, it, it's yeah. just a hint. That's uh, all you it, need. It's almost to the point where it's like as if it's a full moon and you're getting that little bit of glow inside the house. That's how much light you need that you can actually register and, and go right back to sleep. That's what's really key. To go back to, I can't remember which one of you said 40s. Me. <laughs> your eye starts to age in your 40s. Your eyes. Everything. Your eyes everything. I know everything, 40. but you really, not right, everything. really. If any, if anything, not everything. Not everything, but everything. <laughs> Almost. Well, definitely your eyes. Your eyes start to. That's when they age. change. Well, that's when you notice the change. And that's all of when a sudden, I get glasses. That's when, and that's what I picked up my readers that I keep knocking here on the table. But I picked those up and I, and I noticed that my handwriting was getting really sloppy, but I was in denial and I didn't know. But your eye ages, it yellows. So you've got a whole, you know, you're seeing color differently. And it's really important. So you need more light. So when you are renovating spaces, some of the areas that you would need lighting, extra lighting in is not just in the kitchen area and the bathroom area and, you know, but you need it, especially on the stairs, incorporating lights down the stairs. And I don't mean an overhead. Sometimes no, you want to glow a cascade. You wanna, That's yeah, all you want to have, yeah, you want to have the lighting down the, down, down the stairs and it, and it actually is great, not just for the aging eye, but anybody going down into that young child, going down into that, um, into the basement or into another level of the home. When you had the builder grade type of homes and they put that big bulky light at the stair and, and you turn it on at night and it became basically just a shadow. Like you're walking exactly. down. It was all darkness on the steps. It was a trip hazard. No, you don't think so? It is. <laughs> And I'll tell you why, because the house I have in Port Dover has that exact. Yeah. And, and so every time I go down the stairs, I look, I look, I, I know I'm glad nobody's watching me because I'm, I'm actually look like I'm going to fall down the steps. I'm holding two hands onto the handle rail and it's not the top steps. It's when I get towards the bottom because there's so much shadow there. I can't tell if I've hit the last the step last or not. One. I know. And I've missed it a few times. I've, it, trust me. I've done that too. It, 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 it is like that. The older you get, all of a sudden you start to worry about this. You do. You, you start to worry about falling because falling is a big issue. I think a lot of people during this whole COVID problem, like honestly, I think they realized that their house was not working. It's not. It's they not. were up in the middle of the night. They were probably late, staying up late. They were probably waking up early. They were probably doing a bunch of things that they normally didn't do and then realized that the house wasn't working. It's not working and it hasn't worked for a long time. And I think, I think that people have talked about it, but we really haven't come together as an industry. And I think in order to have meaningful, to have change, we have to have meaningful conversation like the one we're having today. And this can't end. You know, it's got to, it's, we've got to continue to have these conversations because people will say right away, it's too expensive to do this. It's too expensive. And if you actually, if you know how to sell it and you sell it on value, I mean, how do you put a price on safety of your grandchildren or your, your senior parents that are living or yourself? It's like, huge. how do you put a price on that? It's, if they fall, what do you put the price on that then? How do you, and that, that, what, how, how do you price that? You can't. So if you, as, as renovators, I mean, it's always ha difficult to have that conversation with the client because they're so budget conscious and they're like, yeah, I don't know. I don't really want to spend that. If you're fortunate to do it at a new build stage, it's really not that much more expensive to do 32 inch door or 34, whatever it is, or make it wider. It's not. And, and pocket doors are, are growing in popularity so that we can create more adaptable. So you know how we all wanted really open spaces yes. and all that? Well, guess what? Didn't work for us in COVID when the kids were at home while the parents were doing their Zoom calls for work, while one of the family members was out in public and now has to be quarantined. Like, how do you divide it all up? Can't it's make that true. person just stay in their bedroom. I the never whole understood time. why bathroom doors were started at 24 inches. I never understood why they oh, had to be so narrow. I got to share this with you. What's that? So, listen, so the townhouse I talked about in Port Dover that had the elevator, we did sell that. And I'll okay. tell you why. And even though I'm in the industry, 
It didn't dawn on us until from looking at the floor plans. It never dawned on us until we were actually in the home. Elevator, three floors from the garage to the main floor to the to the top. The bathroom, master bathroom, and master bathroom closet were twenty four inches. Hello, you know why? Because they couldn't position the tub any other way. They needed the space for the That's tub. That's where it comes from, right? So the way you position your three piece bathroom, the, the, a larger door is in the way. I personally in hate case, walking through a twenty four inch door. It's annoying. I honestly, I think a bathroom should be 30 inches. Exactly. So here's the thing is what's the point of having a house with an elevator and a great master bedroom upstairs for privacy with a 24 inch door. It doesn't make any sense. Well, I just, I just came back from a customer's place and one of the things he had to do was he had to put his washer and dryer in an an upstairs bedroom and then he closed it up and I'm like, how are you going to get it out if it breaks? And he's like, I didn't really care about that. And I'm like, but it's going to happen. So what are you going to do now? You're going to tear your whole frame apart. 32 minimum, I think, door should be. I agree with I you. I agree. Like, what, what is the minimum on ha- handicap accessibility? for? I well, always thought 36. We, I was just going to say, yes. 36? We'd like to see 36, and you'd like to see using um, sliders, you know, like the barn door sliders or pocket doors. Pocket They're doors. so much better than to have them um, swinging Swing, in and because swinging Because you don't out have to back up. You don't have yeah, to, yeah. Yeah, and it, and it depends on how you approach it and if you've got, you know, you're approaching it from latch side or not. So it makes it uh, more challenging for people if you if you have to. My cousin is uh, paraplegic. She was hit in a, a motorcycle accident. And mm. so she lived from, she's 60 now. So she, from the age of 20, over 40 years, she's been in a wheelchair. She always says, why do they put doors? Why do these doors swing into the bathrooms? Now, she renovated her place. Her, her sister is an architect, and they renovated their place. And it was interesting because when I, I went to visit them, she's got a gorgeous, like it's stunning, does not have to look ugly. And then her son's bathroom is also zero threshold. She could roll into it, all glass. And I said to her one night, I said, is that what door wide enough for you to get in in case your shower doesn't work? Can you use your son's? She said, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. The next morning, she says to me, you know what I did last night? I said, what? She said, I got myself stuck in the shower. I said, what do you mean? She says, I went into my son's, I, you know, used my son's shower to see if I could wheel into it. She said, I couldn't wheel out of it. It was just that oh much small, that was oh. just a few, like an inch or two, too tight for her. And so guess what? She had it fixed. But the point is, is like, you don't think of things like this. No. And, you know, we don't have a crystal ball. And it's not necessarily about whether or not as the homeowner, I'm going to have that, you know, mobility issue and find myself. I don't have a crystal ball to know that. I do have a mother that's in a wheelchair. I have a cousin that's in a wheelchair. And if they want to come and enjoy my house, they can't because they can't maneuver in my tiny little bungalow. I know you said this before, Carlito. You talked about it, that something can happen in your life. Like your temporary, it could be a temporary, it could be a temporary, it could be a permanent, but something can happen. Something will happen. Yeah. One, one in five Canadians right now are challenged with the activities of daily living, just the basics of daily living. One in five, one in five Canadians. And you know what? And that number, and that's just what's reported. So we've got mobility issues. We've got sight issues. We've got hearing impairments. We've got arthritis. We've got all kinds of things that are, you know, that we have. And, you know, whether you want to admit it or not, there is no perfect person out there that doesn't have anything. And if they don't have anything, then eventually they will because age will catch up They're to you. They're lying. They are. <laughs> sorry, Look at me. Lying. When I came here, I couldn't hardly move my back. <laughs> I put my back out. We saw you. We're like, oh, we felt bad. Well, it's it's interesting you say that because around 40, I got injured and I, and I was going to the gym and I was finding my back was killing me and I was always been doing martial arts. So I was felt invincible. I was felt that I'd be stronger than everybody and I'd never have a problem. And then one morning I couldn't get up. I found out I had six herniated discs and that will never go away. 
I wasn't walking for over six months and I finally found a massage therapist, not a chiropractor or anything else. And they, how'd you get around the house? I was crawling and I literally couldn't pick up my foot. That, that injury affected every part of everything I did sitting down in the, like even the basics of sitting down onto a toilet. I couldn't, there was nothing to grab. I was falling onto the toilet. I, I couldn't get into the bathtub. And I realized at that point, if I ever did get better and I did, I still have a six herniated disc, but now I maintain it and I'm, I'm fortunate that I can move the way I am now, but I have to see that doctor once a week or I'm crippled. And I, I'm looking at my older years. I don't know what's going to happen to me, how it's going to fuse or oh, how yeah. it's going to, but if now arthritis sets in, or right. whatever, you don't know. It's made me a better contractor. So when I go into people's homes, people think I'm just talking kind of crap, but when I start telling them about you know, them making more money back when they sell their home. That's the only time they get interested because people just don't realize you can get injured anytime. You can get sick anytime. My older son, when he, it was his birthday, he got hit by a car. Fortunately, it just clipped the back of his leg, but it did break his leg. And, you know, again, horrible mother. I hope he doesn't listen to this, but (laughs) I literally, when he tried to get into the house with his crutches, after that whole day at the hospital on his birthday, and he couldn't make it up the three stairs into the side of the house, I was like howling, laughing, because firstly, I knew he was safe, everything was fine, but he really was challenged. There was no handle rails to to help get up those steps. And then when you got into the house, it was challenging again. It's interesting, because until you get to have something like that happen to you, or you go for a hip operation, and it, or maybe it's just a, a you knee know, repair, whatever it is, yeah. you don't realize actually how difficult it is to maneuver through your space. So ergonomics is a really important uh, discussion to be having. You know, multi-level counter heights. Yeah. We're seeing the kitchen is changing, so we're seeing the dishwasher being raised up as you know from where it's traditional space that right down on the ground. You know, we're seeing we're seeing different products that are coming into our spaces that really take ergonomics into consideration. And every single person that's had to sit at a desk for the last couple of months, you know, during this COVID time, I'm using a dining room chair and you know it's great. It has ergonomics for that hour oh, yeah. or two that I'm sitting uh, at dining, but not for nine, ten hours no. at my desk. No, it's not. So it's no wonder we're seeing furniture that is movable. We're seeing sinks. Actually, there's a, a product on the market now where the sinks actually can be adjusted remotely. So it's like electronic. The sink can the raise height? the sink. The sink height can raise up if you're a tall stature and come back down. So that product is already out in the market. I've always talked about how if you've got couples and you build a shower, and we always decide where does the rain head go, the height of it. If you've got a really tall husband and a short wife, mm-hmm. how do you determine? Obviously, it goes up to the very top, so then he won't get his head hit. There's got to be. I've already met, pitched this to other companies. I go, somebody needs to come up with the motorized. You hit a button, it comes down. And that's all it is. It's well, probably gonna. And they say like within the next because so many people are are aging right now in the next 15 years more products will be developed in the next 15 years than they to. have been in the in the last you know 50 years i know that you talked about you don't talk about the end user but how do we as contractors speak to the end user because a lot of these things as Carly, you do correct me if I'm wrong. There's going to be a price point. I mean, we're going to, it's going to cost more to do a typical three-piece bathroom to make it more accessible to certain people. So how do we speak to the end user? It's definitely going to be, at this point, it, it is going to be a little bit more expensive because we don't have that density or the volume of people buying. But as I can assure you, as more and more people age, that price will come down. You have to speak to 
the value and you can use, and many of us can do this. We, we can use our own experiences, but I think it's also part of that discovery session that you're having with them when you want to find out, you know, you're asking a bunch of questions and you're listening to them. And I think it's really important to pull out questions like, you know, do you have a mobility issue? Are you, do you have arthritis? Do you have arthritis? You know, and, and, and so you start asking these kinds of questions or, you know, do you, are you challenged with your sight or whatever? And I think that's why when you do have the opportunity to either speak with a professional or somebody that's been trained or somebody, or maybe it's not even you, maybe you bring an OT onto your, onto your team, occupational say, therapist. Is it, is it too personal to ask family history? Is it too You personal? have to be careful because we have, um, we have PAPIDA law, the personal information. I can never remember this acronym, but it has to do with the Electronics Information Act. So you have to be really careful on the kind of information that you ask. Let me rephrase that. It's not the kind of information that you're asking for. It's if you're asking for information, you have to be careful on what you do with that information. If I ask, if I come into your home and I ask you and we're having a, an open conversation and you're sharing that information, I have to be really careful on who I am then going to share that information with. And so I think that's important for, and that's probably another podcast for another time. Yeah, but you should be aware in the States, they're really, really conscious of this because nobody, because this is a big issue right now is your privacy, your health. And oh my gosh, we can talk about so many different things. If you start <laughs> going down the whole personal route, then you can actually start dissecting well, them and, and yeah. just trying to figure out who they yeah, are. And so you can ask to some degree, you can ask questions and people are more likely to answer things. You just have to be careful what you do with that information afterwards. I just wanted to try to figure out, okay, are there sisters or brothers or siblings or people that also have issues? That's a fair question. Yeah, Yeah, you can ask those kinds of questions. So when they come and visit or they don't want to visit because the house is not really suitable for them. So that's the kind of questions I was trying to get at. I think the best advice I can give is, is don't make it about necessarily about the homeowner because nobody wants to know that they've aged. Nobody wants to admit that they're old, they're it's aged. True, eh? they're, you know what? So take it off of the homeowner and ask them, you know, do you have a mother? How does she maneuver? When she comes to visit you, is she challenged um, getting up and down stairs? You don't even have to know exactly what her issue is. Just the fact that she's got a mobility issue or your father, or, you know, you've got a family member that's in a wheelchair in my case, like my cousin who can't come to see me. Well, you know, it would mean the world to me if my cousin and could spend time in my home and actually see what my home looks like inside instead of taking pictures. And speaking of that, that was the issue last summer when my mother came to visit. She couldn't get into my bungalow with her wheelchair. She couldn't, and she's a gardener. She couldn't get around the backyard. We had sold her house. A lot of her plants were transplanted into my backyard. And we literally, wheel trans brought her into the driveway and we entertained her on the driveway at the side of the bungalow. So I've got one of those bungalows that doesn't have a garage. And I would run around the back, take pictures with my, with my phone and then run back to her. And then she would critique it as, you know, 94 year old mother. And, and, you know, but the thing is, is she couldn't even go into the back. So when we are talking about renovating our insides and are making our houses adaptable, also think about the outside, not just the front entrance, but how are people going to get around the backyard? And if you love gardening, like if you're a savvy business person and you pull that information out, you should be able to sell those upgrades or sell that to your client because you're selling it on it's emotional it's very emotional i'll invest in renovating the side of my house so that my and to the back so my mother can get in there because that means the world to me and i think we're going to see more and more family situations like where family is becoming more important we're going to see that especially now with covid because we've been separated from our family and our loved ones for the longest time just like you were walking in here it's like normally you hug people when you meet them for the first time and always nobody it's because you're european 
Is it? Is it? Or just that body in, squeeze? In Croatia, I, just, I, in Croatia I would have already kissed you six times and hugged you five. <laughs> I like your country. I like your country. But the point is, is that if you can sell it from an emotional or a value add. I always get my way in people's houses because I sell to them how I'm spending their money and how they'll get their money back at the end. And it's unfortunate that they don't see that it could happen to them or, or a family member could come by and visit them and they can't enjoy them. They only look at the value of what, how much money will they make back from their money or how much money will it they may be making from that investment. They don't look at the luxury, the small things that you can enjoy in life that are so precious and money has no really, no place in those important things in life like that. That's the, the smallest that's so things true. in life, right? That's so true because we don't know. We don't know how long we've got or, or how long. And that means everything. And, and I think that it is a good way to do it because it actually does increase the value of your home. Sure like, it does. Think of that. If I'm a home, if I'm gonna buy a home and I'm looking for one that has more accessibility features like that zero threshold shower or those wider doors or, you know, that slope up to the door, one step entry, yep. you know, we're putting bedrooms on the main floor now and we're looking at uh, washrooms on the main floor and not a powder room, but a full washroom down there. Like that has appealed to me when we, we sold our house in Hamilton looking for a house that was going, that could be our forever home. And it was almost impossible. And we ended up in Port Dover and thank God we are because I love it. It's a walkable city and everything. And so I think that we're going to see an, a rise or an increase in that. Were there a majority of the homes that you were looking at, were they mostly not conscious of this whole no, age No, every place? single one of them was wrong. And even the house we're in isn't perfect. Yeah. You'll never find that. You have to build it. It's coming because the consumers are becoming more aware. I did a, an interview with the Toronto Sun. It's actually uh, publishing this Saturday. I did one last year with the Globe and Mail. I'm doing a whole bunch of interviews and talking to media. And the media is interested because, why? Because the, their readers are interested. So they're picking up on all these stories, you know, about how to create homes that are adaptable or living in place or aging in place or wellness. These are hot, hot, hot topics right now because the consumers are becoming more and more aware of it. And they're saying, hey, what about me? I want that. And then they realize to tie it into the fact that it actually increases the value of your home because it there's does. not a lot of, there's not do. a lot of inventory with, with yeah. ex fully accessible homes. Well, and, and also at that age, to add to that, they really don't want to go into a whole full custom reno of a house that's going to suit their needs. That's a year of their life at that age. I they agree. don't want to do that. They no, they kind do. Of if you're the kind if of... If you could find I'm, it, I'm very social with my, find it. with my customers. I get very involved in their life. We grow on each other really fast. I become part of the household. I may only be there for a month or two, but I become part of their home. They almost miss me when I leave and I, you know, I think about them when I'm gone. Depends on how you involve yourself with your customer. I'm look back to like 20 years ago, I used to do co-op housing. And so I used to run 25 buildings. And so I would deal with a lot of handicap units. They were all curbless. They were all waterproof. And I was doing this 20 years ago and nobody wanted to see them because they tiled them the wrong way. The appearance was wrong and it was very handicapped. And or I don't like use, I don't like using that word, it's but it was very commercial. So I would go into a high rise building. They never had the consideration of allowing people that were injured or in a, in a situation where they couldn't take care of themselves enough to give them something beautiful. It's nice that we're talking about products that are changing, that are looking like an average home, like any other person's home. But now what I'm finding is fashion or designers are trying new things because they're looking for new ways to become the top designers. 
Now they're giving benches in showers. They're doing curbless showers. That means now you can have an option to bring a wheelchair in. Or if you are older, almost everyone I know that's over 40, people won't admit it. You can't lift your foot more than two inches to four inches. So it's nice to just be able to walk in or wheel yourself in. But at the same time, it's a custom high-end bathroom and you're getting everything in one shot. And I think we are getting ready for this now. Yep. A lot of guys in this industry are not able to provide curbless. A lot of guys don't get involved with their customers well, or care. This is easy, man. Yeah, for you and me. But I'm telling you, I got four phone calls this week about curbless. They're like, can you but do curbless? Can you do curbless? There's can a you lot do of products that are coming out now. So am I but allowed to mention any brands? Of course you can. Okay, so, so you look at Schluter system. Oh, we, we're I know, familiar. you know, I love their system. Look at, and they can make that curbless system so yeah. easy. My bungalow, I got rid of the bathroom, the tub. And everyone, everyone said to me, are you kidding me? That's going to be such a bad for resale. I'm sorry. I just like, look at the size of my shower. It's massive and it is mine and it's curbless. And I could just, you know, and I plan to stay in that house as long as I, I can, but it's beautiful. There's lots of companies yeah. that are offering really beautiful so-called grab bars now. Yeah. And you can put them into those showers. I know that the first thing they say is they want those um, door tub Whatever. Oh, those are ugly. Oh my gosh. That's so scary. That, have, that, that tells me that I got a mobility problem. Yes. It well, screams. It looks hotel cheap. It yeah. screams like it. real low end yeah. hotel. But hang on a sec. We have to do green book talk <laughs> with who? You. <laughs> <laughs> what do you guys think the fine would be for work? Now, this isn't really totally related to this, but you know what? I'm going to switch it back and forth. People need to educate themselves. So worker failing to wear adequate eye and hearing protection while using chainsaw. What do you, what do you think the fine would be? The amount of seniors that I see using chainsaws. I know. Okay. I know. But you know what? Believe it or not, a lot of women are doing landscaping. They're using chainsaws. Really? Yeah. Yep. Uh, I do. And women are getting hurt as much as men. And I'll tell you out of 10 guys, I know six guys that have horrible cuts on their legs. <laughs> Okay, my dad was one of them. He he was trades. 80 he was 87, he was still working and he I'll never forget he used a chainsaw accidentally hit his leg. Ouch. Had to go and he's wearing those green, you know, the green work pants yeah. with the rubber boots and he goes into the house to change his pants before he goes to emergency at the hospital. Cuz as you would, you know? I would do that. Come on, everyone has <laughs> okay. a chainsaw, Manny. Everyone's got one. Everyone's everyone has got a chainsaw. One. Okay, what All is right, so what is it? I don't know. What is That's... the fine? What is the fine? Well, I'm not going to ask you cuz you probably already know cuz you read these like it's a what I have Bible. no idea. Take I a guess. No... Take a guess what do you first think? Offense. The first offense. First offense. So if an inspector if walked you... onto your construction site and We're talking of oh, I have no idea 5000 10,000? Oh, wow. I don't know. Man. I'd be hitting you pretty hard. You're a harsh inspector. Thank God you're not an inspector. <laughs> don't tell me it's 150 bucks. <laughs> no. It's, first offense would be $250. That's it? Yeah. That's it. Wow. That's but, it. But it's as because simple as not wearing, you know, two or three items that are going to save your eyes, save your face. Trust me. Always wear your safety yeah. goggles, man. Oh, always. you got to wear the pants, too. I, you got to. The pants <laughs> will save your legs. That's and that was... <laughs> That was Green Book Talk with who, Manny? With you. <laughs> Linda, how do we get a hold of you again? You're going to go to the website livablecanada.com. That's the conference website. My information's all over that. And if you want to go onto LinkedIn, Linda Kafka, that's my LinkedIn. I've got about 10,000 followers. And Ooh. I'd love to, uh, and growing, and most of them are architects and designers and Are they listening to you? On LinkedIn, they follow me. They do. They follow huh? me. I'm launching a podcast, Livable by Design, but it 
different in a sense where it's really educational. So I'm going to have, you know, that color anthropologist that'll, that'll be on there to talk about, um, you know, how color affects us as humans. And, and you know, and so color is really important. Color, sound, light, All of air, that stuff, those experts. That. It's funny how you go right back to Mother Nature. We are from nature. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and, and I think that's so important. It, there's so, science and architecture are really, if you draw two circles that where that cross section, it's really, there's a lot of data to support it, the importance of nature. I was reading something the other day that just having natural grains, wood, grain wood, like the, the wood grain, I should say, sorry, I'm dyslexic, the wood grain. Um, <laughs> what does it do? It just calms you down. Seeing natural wood grains in really? your home, whether it's on the floor, in the oak flooring, in the cabinetry, it, it reduces stress. It calms you down. It connects you to nature. You feel more grounded. I could see that because when we're work, like working, you're working with wood. How do you Everyone feel? Everyone loves wood. How do you wood. feel? Everybody loves yeah. wood. Yeah. yeah. Ask them why. Most don't even know why. But again, it's that, I think that it's just that, that connection we have as humans to nature. Uh, water is another really important element. It's interesting. Before the whole COVID thing, actually in the fall of last year, I planned, but I couldn't make it. I still want to go to Falling Water. Oh, where's that? I've never done. It's I've in never, Pennsylvania. Yeah. Frank Lloyd Wright, Frank right? Frank Lloyd Wright. It has all these elements. And I bet you, I mean, one day he I definitely... so ahead of his time yeah, when he, you think He looked about over it. that river and he was already designing that, that structure and how it was going to flow into the river and how it was going to get connected to it. I'm waiting for it to reopen so I can go and check it out because that's one structure that I want to see in person. Because, I mean, he not only built the structure, he built all the furniture. Yes, yes, he did. Everything in that yeah. house is built from, like, he designed it and built it. So that says something. So and there's a lot of wood, stone, and the sound of the water is heard every single corner of that house. And if you go on the internet and you're seeing a lot of, like, when I go into Pinterest or some of these and I'm looking at these bathrooms and you're oh, seeing... Oh, many. You're seeing the uh, the bathrooms with the water, you know, the, the nature, and you've got trees in the middle of your house. Like, you know, it's like, wow, this is okay. I can't afford that kind of house, but I still love looking at it and I dream about it. And I think we all want that great view. And you can build certain elements that are similar to that. Like I've seen walls that are milk plexi with a plant pattern behind it. And oh. if you illuminate it a certain way, it actually gets you that kind of feeling as you're well. Right. You're and talking that's, you're that's, talking biophilia and biomimicry and that's a whole other conversation I could be talking about that, with you guys. It, it works. It, it really works. There's I know. a lot of science to that. So there's a lot of stuff that we can offer clients and we can go listen. I think if contractors actually spent the time to just break it down, there's ways of selling this to their clientele. You're going in for a job, but at the same time you could land so many more jobs with your homeowner just by interacting with them and making their life better and and, yeah. and easier to for them to enjoy their life right someone remembers what you did you've done something so small but it's affected them you've made someone happy that's it's oh it's they're gonna priceless. be your best sales it goes back to the forever. emotional yeah yeah it goes and and I, I mean regarding the building code i think the only attention that that's put on the building code is the bathroom areas Yes, it is. As a matter of fact, That's they just it. they just updated something. I know that the building code hasn't been updated for many, many years. Well, there's amendments, right? Yeah, so there's we, amendment yeah. in, uh, I think it came out in January. So part nine of the building code references reinforcements of the wall, of the, of the walls and the water the, closet. Yes. And that you have to, you now have to look at part three of the building code. And so you've got to reinforce those. So I don't have, I, I mean, a couple months ago, I we're going to have a code consultant in about three weeks. I think three weeks we're going to have a building code consultant who also teaches at Conestoga. 
So there's a lot to ask him. There's a lot. The building code with Bill C81 being passed, you know, and we're going to see accessibility. So that was passed in August. We're going to see a lot more accessibility. National building code is changing, but it really does relate back to commercial on so many levels. And so it's really up to you as as a trades professional, whether you're a you know a renovator or, or you're an interior designer or architect or builder, just to you know to really look at how do I build this and just do it right. Like, you know, you really have to think about yeah. that. There's lots of ways to cut There's corners, a lot more thought process here. There's a hundred percent. I know that it was five years ago, maybe BC implemented no more doorknobs. Mm-hmm. It was all levers. levers. Yeah. And I'm waiting well, for that to it. come into. How great is that? It makes sense. Levers, unless you have a dog, as I did, who was able to open up every single lever. A and smart That's a smart little. dog. <laughs> no, I want, I want a pop annoy- from that no. dog. Does <laughs> that dog change- get on the toilet too? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, he did not. One, one night you'll wake up, he'll be sitting on the toilet reading the newspaper. You're like, yeah, I taught that dog too many tricks. Then I'll be making an Instagram video and showing yeah. it off. You well, know what? You're, you're, lucky, you're lucky he allowed himself out without you know, disturbing you. My animals, <laughs> they like to speak to me and I could be at like three o'clock in the morning and they're speaking to me and I'm like, shut up. Oh my God. <laughs> I know that. I know that all too well, but no, it makes sense. Look at right here in the room we're in, there's lever handles right there. Yeah. You know, it makes sense when you think about it, if you're a young mother and you're, or a young father and you're holding those children and you've got bags in your arms it's so much easier just to use your elbow to open it and so we've got so many different um the faucets down at cavis we were you know we're seeing all the different uh, motion faucets and all different kinds of things there were stylized Toilets. faucets but they were actually adding textures to the faucets now yeah. the handles so it made it easier Tactile. when you could, yeah. yeah and that's what was really interesting and they what i liked is that they weren't offering them just in one finish because that was what the institutional kind of business was when you're doing grab bars here's your finish chrome. here's your chrome choose it accept yeah. it live with it and yeah. i'm like no i don't just want ugly. to it's just uglies are carpets bad are are the, the well, new floors the vinyl floors are they bad you want to look at i think it's really important obviously if you're specifying product to understand what that product is made out of i don't know maybe one of your listeners or somebody might respond to this but i i had always thought bamboo being a sustainable was a really good product to put in it very hard and too very hard and then and then somebody in in my course program said but the off-gassing when that travels from asia in a container to canada the vocs in that are worse than concrete and then i think to myself is that true like that's crazy it it is true and and carpet has similar levels no carpets even the first of all for the listeners the television and your computer the worst off-gassing two products because of heat Mm -hmm. so all the plastic products far more than concrete are off-gassing second is your carpet then third is your vinyl those are just like the things that everybody, then everyone starts talking about mdf and paint i mean everything's off gassing everything you, you has can't something. get away from it what about air quality what can we do i know that see here's the problem you get into the hvac world air cleaning purifying systems can get ridiculously expensive and are they really benefiting because what i've learned from hvac people is that you can put in a great system, and then the filters, once they get clogged up, that system's not doing what it's supposed to be doing. No, it's about the... Yeah, it's maintenance. Gotta... You have to be so aware of when it has to get changed. And the more filters you add, the more frequent you have to change them. And if you're not on that... like People can barely clean their HRVs now, which are building code, right? So if they're not doing that, what are they going to do for air purifying systems? And the problem with that also is that if you get a really good you know, filter... You're going to change it weekly, not monthly or every three months. So the better the filter, 
the more you have to change it. And if you don't get to changing, if you're not a maintenance person and everything has maintenance, we have maintenance, you know, food, vitamins, everything yeah. else. Our house needs the same thing. If it you needs don't, the same if you don't get to that, you're going to burn your furnace out. We're going to see new products coming. They're doing a lot of uh, testing now to, and I'm not sure the, the, the blue lights, um, you know, to kill bacteria. They're looking at putting those into the, oh, the black HX, light. Yeah, yeah. Into the, into in the filters to, yeah. you know, doing a lot more in that area. But I think, you know, it's interesting because unless you actually have a respiratory issue i don't you think most people think of the quality of their air it's worse inside the house than it is, it is outside. actually i was just going to say that it's your air quality inside is worse than being outside that's why so i can't wait till spring to open, open up the windows. all the windows and i fortunately i have a skylight so i love opening the windows and letting the air go straight out it's I, huge. I'm, I'm fortunate i've been looking forward to the last few days you know i come back from the farm and it's monday and i'm already Looking forward to getting there back. on Friday. Where's the farm? Belleville. Oh, very nice. Yeah. yeah. So we got 300 acres up there. We got a, a running farm. How many cow? 100. How many squirrels do you kill every single week? It's how many do you eat? <laughs> I was going to say roadkill. <laughs> roadkill. Uh, listen, um, if I don't get them, somebody else will. <laughs> well, at one point, I wanted to very much live in Picton out towards that area. Uh, yeah, I have a house and, out Prince, there. Prince Edward County. And then I found, uh, you know, uh, Norfolk County. Because we were looking for a place to to find that was that was our forever community, and I love it out there. I absolutely love it. I just came into Toronto today for this for this for this we podcast. We really appreciate it. And you know what? And my backyard that I absolutely love. It's like a park. My father was a trades. He was a stonemason, and he was a gardener, and he was a master gardener. You know, Gordon Lightfoot was his his client, and he did a lot of you know very expensive properties. And I learned so much from him. My place looks like a park. I have to tell you, I just couldn't wait to get in the car, not just to come over to your podcast, but to actually head back to the walkable town. And I think what we're going to also see is when we looked at these small towns as bedroom communities, yeah. you know, hey, I'm retiring. I'm moving out of the city. With this COVID and the fact that we have just proven that many of us can work from home, and I'm one of them now, There's I can work from home, us, yeah. uh, a lot of us that can work from home. What will end up happening is, is I think that we will look to those smaller communities because they offer us so much more. So what does that mean? Not just in the home that you purchase in there, but your connection to nature, walkable. So when we talk about uh, universal design or accessibility or inclusive, I like to use the word inclusive uh, design in your homes. You, and I said earlier, you've got to look at our backyards. We also have to look into our community because if it means, you know, at one point when you can't drive, how far do you have to walk? So, you know, sometimes it might not be worth renovating. It might be worth buying another house and then getting it renovated. That's, you know, out of your community or in, in one of these small, what we used to call bedroom communities. I think that there's going to be a bigger, bigger appeal to having, coming back to a sense of community, to having that agri hub or that vegetable garden and, you know, so that connection right. to nature and, you know, and water, water will really calm you down. Like, look, look at, we talk about it in the design industry, you know, that big soaker tub. Mm-hmm. Why do we want to sit in that soaker tub? Because we feel really great, especially as women. We love, love to calm down and de-stress and just go into that zen moment wine. and drink wine. <laughs> and you know, that, con- <laughs> that connection to, to But that's to water. grapes. but you know i don't get that in the city i come back into toronto and it's like concrete like if you think about look what we've done when we had just a couple weeks uh was it bell trinity trinity bell park and all those people there and you know i'm sure they all thought about you know covid and keeping our social distance but what was more important for those people is they needed to get out into nature because they had been stuck in a concrete box of 300 or 500 square feet 
That's exactly what they were doing. And you know, what have we done? We've, and so I think when we look at multi-units, I think that we'll start looking at perhaps more spaces where people can get out or, you know, that green roof, or I don't know what, you know, I I don't work in multi-units, but I think that there will be more thought put into how do we connect them to nature and not expect them to live in a concrete city, in a concrete box and expect that to be okay. That's just not okay. That's not healthy. It's not. It's I, not healthy. I, I, I can't wait to get out of the city. I'm a city guy, but I can't wait I, to I get love away. the city, but I do love green too. And I love my quietness as well. It's right? beautiful. Like, it really is. When I travel, I love disappearing and just going, like you said, walking and you just discover new places. But you're right. The sounds and the senses are what drives me where I'm going to walk to. It's not necessarily the vehicular traffic. It's so important because we do need that time to work and we do need that time to relax and we need that restorative time, whether it's restorative sleep. We're hearing people wanting to put those Zen spaces, those yoga spaces into their backyard. Look at yoga. If you look at that practice alone, that was kind of like you're kind of like a hippie or, you know, back in the old days, way back when, like you're kind of weird if you're following into yoga. Now everybody does yoga. Everybody does Even it. old people do chair yoga at the retirement home. Like everybody, it's so mainstream it's, now. It's, it's amazing giving, what it does to your body. Well, right? you're, you're actually giving and your, your mind, your mind, it's your mind too. But it's giving yourself an hour of personal time. It's something that we just don't give ourselves anymore. We don't give ourselves that personal time. And in yoga, everybody shuts up. You know, when I go to yoga, I have this one, this gentleman, Philip, he, he's always speaking and he has this tone of voice and he puts us in this like little magical world as he's telling us a story while we're doing our moves. And, and I find that afterwards, I'm like, if my friends knew I was enjoying this, this would be crazy. (laughs) They'd be talking about you. They're going to know now. (laughs) <laughs> but, you know, when I ran the design center, um, which was up at the International Center, and I was senior management there, it was a very stressful environment to work in because of several reasons. You know, it was very corporate. You had to follow a lot of corporate rules and regulations. You were always on. You were always doing events. You know, it was really stressful. I would come home wired. And, of course, it was an hour drive on the 401 from Scarborough there. It was an hour, hour and a half, an hour and a half drive back, bumper to bumper. I was really stressed. I'd go to yoga class, highly stressed. And when I came out, it was like I was calm. And not, not, yoga's not going to be for everybody, but if you can find it through, through nature, through, even sitting in your own backyard. I love to weed, weed my garden because it's mindless. It's just mindless. It allows me just to relax. I think all of us It's also need, endless. It's endless. I know. <laughs> I, and it doesn't cost anything, right? It's just an endless. I got 300 it's acres. Like, it's endless. Oh, listen, you might find me there weeding. But, but the point I'm trying to make is we all need it, whether it's a hobby or yes. something that just, if you like to read a book or whatever the situation is, we have to have that downtime because you will burn out. Even watching plants grow. It's so exciting. Like I'll get home tonight and I'll look at stuff that I haven't put in the ground because frost has changed over the last few years and I'm not planting my plants as soon. The only thing that's out is garlic. And that was from August. I'm looking at the plants. I'm like, is the frost gone? Because I'm ready to put them in the ground in the so they ground. can grow. And I'm it's watching funny them. that you should say that because I, like I last several weeks, I've been isolating in Port Dover. I came home today, my um, little uh, raised herb garden. And the lettuce was growing. And I didn't even plant the lettuce. These were seeds from last... These were seeds actually from my sister's uh, father-in-law, Italian. You know, he had given us seeds. And I had planted them last year. And I guess when they went to seed, 
they just scattered and here they were they were even growing between the uh the interlocking stones and i'm like holy cow like That's you know it was such a great feeling to see something growing you yeah. know it's just so nice or appreciate it right you do appreciate it the some of the simple things like it's unfortunate people aren't enjoying their family or friends in this time it's it's been a real good, great time to reinvent yourself, to find out who you really are. I have friends that come from Arizona and you know, everybody wants to jump in a car and go somewhere. You know what? Let's go rent some bikes for you guys and let's go for a ride. And after 12 or 14 hours of riding a bike, you're exhausted, but you've seen 20 different locations. You've, you've got to be able to interact with each other. You're getting exercise. You know, there's a lot of things you could do at home. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm going to give you a little bit of bad news, Linda. Go ahead. Do I have to sing again? No. Okay, good. Uh, that, was, that was amazing singing, by the way. The bad news is that I do know a lot of people through social media. I've met a lot of people in construction in my 11 years now. I, and I'm sure Carlito knows a lot of people too as well. I don't know a single person who's focusing on this segment of the industry. That is sad. I know a lot of people that are doing greenish building. Yeah. And they're focusing on that and they've carved out a nice niche for that. But I don't know a single contractor that is consciously focusing on living better, building I, better. I would love to, I don't charge for, this is dangerous me saying this right now, but I'm not, you don't hire me as a consultant. I gladly give you this information my conference that I'm the livable environment conference in May through, um, that, that, or I'm sorry, not May, it was supposed to be May. It moved to September and it may have a digital component to it too now, but that's where I make my money okay. on that. I throughout the rest of the year, constantly and helping people. I, I, I'd love to Would you connect. encourage them? Absolutely. Yeah. Anybody okay. that wants to reach out and, um, if they've got your connection, um, they can reach through you to me. If they, again, we've told you numerous times how to get a hold of me. Yeah. I welcome people to reach out because I'm really passionate about this. I'm really ha passionate about helping small businesses, especially, and um, really helping Canada move to becoming a more accessible and more inclusive cities are doing it across the country. And it's just the right thing to do. And everybody sees the value in it. And if I can help that one renovator contractor, you know, I, I, you know, just help them or guide them or point them in the right direction or make them feel a little bit more confident that, you know, what they've always, and a lot of times you talk to some of these people and they say, Hey, I've been doing this forever. Like I always did that. Some people do. Some yeah. people say, Hey, I, you know, I always did that kind of stuff just to sometimes get validated. The point is, is that I really believe that this is the right thing to do. It's the right way. And, and, um, we all, all of us will benefit from having more housing stock out there that we can access. When I first spoke to you, when you reached out to me, I was just like, I want to get into this. I want to start expanding my clientele and start speaking to people that want to address these issues in their home. And we will see more and more consumers jumping onto this and yeah. it's, it's coming. Undeniably, it is coming because the baby boomer market is driving this. I want this. I'm a baby boomer. I want this. And I will look for a renovator that has more knowledge on this because I can't afford to make mistakes. I'm going to do that one last renovation for the kitchen or the bathroom or whatever. I want to have meaningful conversation. You with want a you. clear communication with this person. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so I encourage people, if you can't get to school, uh, you know, training or certificates or whatever, you know, get on the internet. There's, there's so Find much information on questions. the internet. Just yeah. ask the questions, but I'm, I'm happy to answer anybody's questions. That'd if they be want. amazing. You have a thought to share oh, before oh, I do my tons. last segment. I've that, got tons. No, no, we're going to wrap let, it up. Let me ask, let me ask one or two. We talked about people that have disabilities. They feel that they're centered out and, you know, they stick out like a big light in, on their block, you know, and they don't want to be known like that. And they just want to feel comfortable and hidden 
and not have anyone know their personal problems or their personal life. What is the one thing that you want to see in construction changed for entry into the home, entering the home? Number one. So that's, so what that, I call that's from the sidewalk all the way into the home, right at the front door, right up the front door, the front door entrance because let's face it if you can't even get in the front door then what what's all that work like you can't it was what's the point of doing all that if you can't even get in the front door i do not want to see those rent a ramps those metal rent ramps or these forever twisting ramps that go all around i don't like them either and there's lots of different options i just did a course at the university of buffalo online in universal design home modification and we did one on inclusive neighborhoods and um you know and i'm drawing floor plans and i'm putting putting you know showing them how the other options because as long as there's one entrance it could be up the side it could be the side of the house and the entrance is at the back it doesn't have to necessarily be the front door there's other ways to there tackle are so it. many other ways to do it I, I think that's the one thing that i'd really like to see is is that that change what is this new segment that we're calling? Oh, this is interesting because uh, I think this came from Moses, didn't it? Moses. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, there's two of them. One's Nimer and the so, other one's the one we know. Let, 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 let me get it right. The 10 questions. <laughs> so I don't know. One. Now I know which Moses you're talking about. <laughs> okay. So do, I don't know if you ever remember James Lipton from the actor studio. No, why not? Why wouldn't I know that? I probably do. I just I don't, Okay, so he had a series of 10 questions that he would ask every person that he interviewed. And these are the questions. What, and what decade was that? This, uh, he ended the show probably about yeah. 10 or 12 years ago. He ended it, but he did it for about Manny. 30. I was just a teenager. Manny, what decade was that? <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't listening I, to the old man we, talking. We were in, I think we were in like, Nursery school? Where were yeah. we at? I, don't know. I'm definitely I was older. probably in the potato field working because in okay. Croatia, you're working at four. Hey, what did he ask? What was his 10 questions? No, but the thing questions? is, I've modified these questions okay, to suit good. our podcast, right? right. So we're here having, are the we're 10 questions. Fun. Here it is, right? <laughs> what is your favorite construction word? My favorite construction word? Oh my gosh. I, yeah, this, wait a second. This is not fair. There's I, I, thousands, like, there's of thousands of construction Whatever comes to your them. mind. Just whatever comes it's to your like mind. Bl- it's like blah. Like the whole thing is just one blur of what's your favorite construction word? Word. I'm not this the one being asked you. the questions. I'm asking oh the questions. Okay. <laughs> okay, let's let's go back to that one. I have to think about. It. I have what to is think your about le- these. What is your least favorite construction word? Oh my god. Oh my god. Okay, come back to that one too. We'll get back to these. What turns you on in construction? Oh, you know what I love? I love I love I love seeing in my neighborhood it's happening a lot and I and I stop and I stare at them is when you've got that big empty hole. And all of a sudden, a building emerges out of that. I just find that so fascinating. I find that so fascinating. I, like I love that. I, like I think it. to myself, how do you guys do that? How do you how do you do it? And it's so perfect. Magic. I love it. Okay, back to the it. first one. That's no, no. What turns you off in construction? All the noise when we're building that house? No, 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 no. no. Noise is, is progression. It's progression. I just think, uh, you know what? Oh, you know what? I, I Okay. I think what turns me off in it is when I see all the front lawn ripped up, mounds of dirt, yes. all the weeds, all those those uh, wire fences that you put around. I know it's going to look beautiful, but I don't have the patience. And it's it's spring, <laughs> months, and, you months, know, the, the months, months that it takes to get the landscaping uh, done. Like, I think that's my big turn off. Uh-huh. Do we want to visit the first two? Yes. What is your favorite construction word? Building. Building. What's your least favorite construction word? Oh, I'm not going to say reno. <laughs> I like this. Uh, you know what? In all honesty, yeah, I'm the person that doesn't want to live through the reno. But you know okay. what? I understand how important the reno is. Uh-huh. You know. Okay. What is your favorite curse word? Curse? As in like bad word? Profanity. 
There's only one. Starts with an F because it can be used so many different ways. Think exactly. about it. What the F? Perfect. U F. Okay. <laughs> what like, const- that's a great word. <laughs> what construction sound or noise do you love? Love, love, love. I don't know. There's so many of them because I love the sound of those of those saws going. I think what I like the best is the chiseling of stone because it reminds me of my dad. I love that here. And you know, I got his old chisels. Our last guest, that's exactly what he said. The chiseling of the stones. Think of that as an artisan. You know what? Your father was a mason. He was a stone It brings you back to enjoying him work. And I got all his tools when he passed away. There's, Uh, you know, all the, all the, the, the the hammers and the chisels and that. And I, when I see his strong hands. Yeah. It was, it's, it was interesting. So what construction sound or noise do you hate? Mm. What do I hate? Oh, you know what? Uh, oh, I know. <laughs> they were doing renovations on the uh, on the um, Metrolinx line at night, and they were having to pound these pillars into the ground, and it was a repetitive, <laughs> repetitive boom, 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 boom. It was like, when is that boom, boom, boom <laughs> stopping? At least you know when you're cutting with a saw, chiseling, it's, it's a short time. Yeah. That booming went all night. So, yeah, I don't like that sound. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Oh, I know it. I wanted truly, truly in my heart, passionately to be an architect. But you never did it, eh? You started it, but you never did it. My father, oh, I was, oh, you guys would be so happy to know. I was the only girl in high school in building construction. Really? I did the best in class, building construction, architectural uh, design and drafting. And those are the two courses I excelled in. And then physics. I did something like 98% in physics. That's good for architecture. I loved it. And then my dad, and he was really, he was born in 1919. And he was, he said to me, he said, Linda, it's not a profession for a woman to go into architecture. And I think he said, if you, if we had somebody in the family or if we knew somebody in the family that could help you along the way, I don't Mm. regret that. He did because when he was literally, he passed away in 2007 and just before he died, he says to me, you know, Linda, because I ended up going into marketing and he looked at me, he says, you know, I still don't know what you do in marketing. And I said to him, dad, you should have let me be an architect because we would not be having this conversation. <laughs> but I love, loved architecture. And it's because, uh, you know, it, and, and probably more so residential when I look at, you know, um, some of these beautiful projects that are out there. But it's the intrigue of how do they build those buildings and get them so perfect and so like they look so perfect when they go yeah. up. And there's so much involved in it. But um, still time. Yeah, there's still time. But now I want to specialize in aging in place, living in place, and help everyone out there. What profession would you not like to do? Math teacher. <laughs> don't, rush, don't rush with your reply on that oh one. Oh, my God. I hate, I, you know what? I, I, love, I love math, but I hate math because I had the worst, worst, worst teacher So in the architect, world. yes. Engineer, no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, last question. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? <laughs> Well, I know what the what? I know what the devil says every morning when I get up. <laughs> oh God, she's awake. <laughs> Linda, thank you very much. It was so great to finally meet you, and what a great talk, Carlito. I mean, this was amazing. No, I love it. I actually keep, want to keep talking. There's so many things I want to say. And still. again, one la- yeah. the website or the handles or uh, yeah, go to livablecanada.com. That's the easiest one. And if you, you find, if LinkedIn you, finds you. You'll find me Linda Kafka. If you forget the last name, it's like the writer Franz Kafka. Kafka. Yeah. Um, you'll find me on LinkedIn. You'll find me on uh, Living in LP LIP Network on Instagram. And you'll the website is triple W. 
uh, livablecanada.com. That's the best place. And then you're willing to answer questions. People reach out to you. Yeah. You know what? My email's on there. Just reach out to me, please do. And you know, and and I, I'm really hoping that the conference in September, like you said, it's the first of its kind in Canada. It really supports residential. All of your listeners that work in residential, this is for you. It helps you. I'm trying to really bring the community together because we're not driven by the code when it comes to accessibility and inclusivity and, and, you know, and and you need to learn about this. And and now's the time we're coming out of a, we're in a crisis period. I just want to wrap this up with saying, you know what, it's a level playing field. All the rules are broken. Opportunity for you to really increase your business. And you don't necessarily have to go back to school. Just learn something about what it means to create an uh, inclusive place or a well place or an accessible place. And please do not reduce yourself to installing grab bars because that's not what this is about that's not the solution it's not the solution we're going to be there in september so you let us know how it's going to work out if it's going to be virtual if it's going to be in person we'll see how it works out but we'll definitely be there that's great to know thank you really appreciate thank you very much i'll come back anytime thank you and there's good yeah for sure we're going to invite you i want to say something i want to say that uh, i think that bringing the the 10 questions is absolutely brilliant, and I totally in, have been enjoying it the last couple podcasts. I'll be I'll be thinking about those 10 questions as yeah. I drive home to Fort Dover. I'll be like, yeah, I do like the sound of that chisel. And, the, and I think it's stone. also important for the uh, young listeners. You guys will be 40. You guys will be 60. You guys will be 80. And it's important that you guys jump on this train now before it's too late because we should be prepping ahead of time instead of when it happens be proactive not reactive perfect yeah carlito get us out of here thank you again linda really appreciate it thank you guys everyone thinks that's a pre-recorded track but it's not i just witnessed it (laughs) carlito you did a great job that's it that's it baby 416 416 (laughs) (laughs) t-o